The practice of fasting is commonplace throughout the Bible. There we read stories about Moses fasting for 40 days on a mountaintop, about another time when the great prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness while traveling to Mount Horeb. Fasting was something God commanded the people of Israel to observe once a year and during specific times of crisis or need. And in the New Testament, we're told about times when Jesus and apostles like St. Paul fasted as well. To quote Richard Foster, the list of biblical personages who fasted reads like a who's who of scripture. Moses the lawgiver, Elijah the prophet, Esther the queen, Daniel the seer, Anna the prophetess, Paul the apostle, Jesus Christ the incarnate son. What's more, as Foster goes on to point out in his discussion of this practice, fasting has been a common and a very important spiritual discipline that Christians have observed all throughout Christian history. And yet, despite all that, fasting is something that is very unfamiliar to many Christians today. In fact, Foster says that when he was doing research for this book, uh, keep in mind he first published it in 1978, but he says that when he was doing his research, he couldn't find a single book that had been published on the subject of fasting from the year 1861 to the year 1954, almost a hundred year period when apparently no one really had much to say about it. Of course, 1954 was a while ago now, but I don't think that much has changed, at least not in my experience. I hear Christians regularly talk about reading the Bible and praying and even the importance of giving money, but I rarely hear anyone talk about the role that fasting plays in their spiritual life. And maybe that's okay, you might say, because unlike some of those other practices, fasting isn't something that God really commands. Sure, a lot of people in the Bible and Christian history have done it, but fasting is one of those things that's optional. It's just for people who happen to find that kind of thing helpful. I don't know whether you think that, but Richard Foster assumes that at least some people do. So he addresses that question very directly in a section of the chapter entitled, Is Fasting a Commandment? That's a pretty short section of the chapter, only a couple pages. But I think that in those few pages, he does a very effective job at making the case that contrary to what we might think, fasting isn't optional for those who wish to follow Jesus. And that Jesus did, in fact, both uphold this discipline and expect his followers to be engaged in it. Perhaps, as Foster says, perhaps it is best to avoid the term command, since in the strictest sense, Jesus did not command fasting. But it is obvious that he proceeded on the principle that the children of the kingdom of God would fast. For anyone who desires to grow as a disciple and in their intimacy with God, the practice of fasting isn't really an option. It's essential. But even if you agree, that, that still leaves us with three important questions. What exactly is fasting? Why is it so important? And how should we go about it? I'd like to briefly address 
how Richard Foster answers each of those questions. First, the question, what is fasting? The answer to this might not be as obvious as you think. Because today, Christians, we often use the word fasting to refer to a practice of abstaining from any number of things. I used to attend a church where during Lent, the whole church would engage in different fasts each week. Uh, One week, it would be abstaining from watching any kind of television or movies. Another week, it might be abstaining from spending money on anything that was non-essential. The week after that, we might fast from drinking any kind of coffee or alcohol. Now, I really enjoyed that practice, and I think it was spiritually beneficial for us as a church in a number of ways. But I also appreciate that in this book, Richard Foster focuses on the more traditional practice of fasting as we find it in the Bible. Throughout Scripture, he says, fasting refers to abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. That's a good definition. Of course, as he points out, this takes a variety of forms in the Bible. Normally, it takes the form of choosing not to eat any food at all for a specific amount of time. But sometimes, as in the case of Daniel, it may take the form of limiting yourself to only very specific foods. I ate no delicacies, Daniel says. No meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. Foster calls that a partial fast. There's also other variations. Normally, a fast is is a private practice focused on an individual's relationship with God. Jesus seems to have this in mind in the Sermon on the Mount when he talks about not letting other people know that you are fasting. But there are times in the Bible when the whole community of the people of God is instructed to fast together. And the length of fasting also varies. Sometimes it's a day, sometimes a couple days, and on very rare occasions, as in the case of Moses and Elijah and Jesus, a fast might extend for weeks on end. Finally, one thing that Foster doesn't say explicitly, but is important to mention, is that fasting in the Bible is always accompanied by prayer. People don't just abstain from eating. They also spend time in prayer. Because, as Foster says in his definition of this practice, Because fasting isn't just abstaining from food, it's abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. And that brings us to our second question. Why do we fast? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes it very clear that sometimes we fast with the wrong motivation. When you fast, he says, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. If you decide to fast, to not eat, because you think that other people will be impressed, or because it will make you a better Christian in your own eyes, then Jesus says you're doing it for the wrong reason. Similarly, if you abstain from eating because you want to lose weight, or because you've heard that practices like intermittent fasting have numerous health benefits. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not fasting. To fast is to abstain from eating 
for a time for spiritual purposes. And the primary purpose of our fasting should always be, as Foster says, to draw near to God himself. If our fasting is not unto God, we have failed. That's the primary goal of fasting, to draw near to God. But there are other secondary purposes as well. One of the great benefits of fasting is that by taking something our body naturally depends on, and by saying no to something that our body wants, we begin to see, you can kind of experience how controlled you are by your appetites. More than any other discipline, Foster says, fasting reveals the things that control us. At the same time, by combining fasting with prayer, we not only discover how dependent we are on physical things like food, we're also reminded how dependent we are on God. In fact, according to the Eastern Orthodox theologian Callistos Ware, this is one of the greatest benefits of fasting. When you fast, you feel hungry and you feel tired. And that's actually a good thing. Because, as Ware puts it, because the real purpose of this is to lead us in turn to a sense of inward brokenness and contrition, to bring us, that is, to the point where we appreciate the full force of Christ's statement, without me, you can do nothing. So that's what fasting is and why we do it. But what about the practical question of how? How should we go about it? Foster, he ends the chapter by devoting several pages to this question, and and he has a number of suggestions. Now, I encourage you to read through what he says there as you think about your own practice of fasting. But I'd like to also highlight a couple things he mentions. First, fasting is something that should be a regular discipline. Some Christians, such as Anglicans, We observe seasons in our calendar like Lent when fasting is encouraged to the whole church. But that doesn't mean that we should limit our fasting only to those seasons. The second thing is, as you think about developing your own discipline of fasting, begin with a reasonable goal. Foster suggests beginning with a partial feast, choosing to eat only very specific foods like fruits and vegetables, and and doing that for a 24-hour period before you move on to a full fast. I think that's a good suggestion. What you don't want to do is go from not fasting at all to trying to immediately say you're going to abstain from eating two days a week. Uh, Third, foster He also encourages longer fasts, such as three to seven-day fasts or even longer on occasion. Now, I have limited limited personal experience with this kind of fasting. But I would say that if you do choose to attempt a longer fast, that you should consult a medical professional first. Uh, Different bodies react differently to extended periods of not eating, and, and that needs to be taken into account as you fast. Finally, let me just say that I recognize this may be a spiritual discipline with which you have little experience. And if that's the case, don't be discouraged. You are not alone. But don't let that keep you from fasting. And as you fast, as you abstain, remember that you're not just abstaining from food, 
You are choosing to abstain so that you can draw near to God. 